0: Welcome to CDMX Expats. My name is Raquel Ramirez and I'll be your host. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the very first episode of CDMX Expats. My name is Raquel Ramirez and I We'll be your gracious host straight from Mexico City. Today's guest is my friend, Max Radwin, who is a journalist who's been living here in Mexico City for about the last six months. We talk about socializing during a pandemic, the surprising safety levels in the city, cultural density, the rain, accessibility, and some Mexico City gangs. He's got some pretty cool stories there. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode. Just keep in mind, this is my very first time ever interviewing someone for a podcast, and I was completely nervous. So next one, tequila shots before. Kidding. Mostly. All right. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Welcome, Max. Thanks. Uh, so let's get started. First question. So first of all, who are you? Can you introduce yourself?
1: Sure. Uh, so I'm Max Radwin. I am from Ipsilanti, uh, Michigan, which is about 20 minutes outside of Ann Arbor, Michigan. If I do the hand thing, you know I'm talking about, like, southeast. you never seen the hand thing before? No. This that? is Michigan people hold up their hand and they point to where they're from. Anyway, southeast Michigan. That's where, <laughs> You've never heard of that? I know. Anyway, that's where I'm from. Uh, I'm 28. Just like Thursday Night Social Club. Uh, yeah, pretty much. What brought, you,
0: <laughs> what brought you to Mexico City?
1: That's the funny thing about Thursday Night Social Club is that Every conversation begins the same and it reaches that point where you're like, okay, we've already shared everything. So now we have to have a real conversation. And you try to latch onto the because they're like, Oh, I don't have anything in common with you. And then you move on to the next person and you have the same where are you from? And what are you why are you here? and How long are you here? Um so and and the thing is that I uh Now, this is probably this is probably not good for the podcast. But like if someone's here for a week, I'm like, all right, I got to I got to move on because I'm here for a long time, you know. (laughs) Um, But anyway, no. So I. um, Well,
0: I mean, on that topic, how long have you been here? How long are you going to be here for?
1: So I arrived in January. Okay. It was uh, end of January. It was uh, like, you know, middle of the pandemic still. or I was at least very much in the pandemic mindset. We were in red in January. So when I arrived. I had kind of been back and forth from uh, the U.S. and Guatemala, which is where I lived previously. Um, And I was staying with my parents in Ypsilanti. And uh, I was just really ready to go out again, you know, meet people, be an adult person. And so I show up to Mexico City and it's dead, completely dead. There's no way to meet anybody. It's not a responsible thing to do. So it's like, oh, I thought I was starting my life again. And I'm actually not. I have to bunker here as well. But you know, things have been opening a little bit, and so i've I've been transitioning back into regular life a little slower than you have, I think <laughs> you're you're a pretty social person. It's taken me a while to to go back to normal. Yeah. I still kind of feel like I'm quarantining or something. Do you ever get that feeling? Uh... Are you not no you're a totally <laughs> other type of person. Here's the thing, okay, So there are people who huh. you're an extrovert, yeah, obviously. And that means like you kind of recharge your batteries by being around people. Totally. I'm a social person. I can have a conversation. I'm interesting at a party, but I'm an introvert at heart, which means I need to go home and be by myself and recharge my batteries. Yeah. The thing about the pandemic is that it, it, I still want to go out, but my, the battery life, like the charge of my battery is so low now. So if I go out for a couple hours, I'm good. That's all I need. I don't have the tolerance to be out like every day for hours and hours and hours. I have to like rebuild the tolerance for social life, which is frustrating because it's like, what, well, what, what is going on? I've been inside for so long. Like go out and meet people, which I am. Yeah. But yeah, it's tough. But no, Mexico City is a good place to be because uh, there's just so many interesting people, expats and otherwise to meet. So uh, no, it's been okay. It's a good place to reenter regular life, I would say. Um, so yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely feel that. I mean, I feel very fortunate to have as many foreigners in like my groups yeah. as I do because I miss I miss the social life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember you telling me about your uh like what you were doing during the pandemic? I mean, those like weren't you doing like a park kind of like pop-up party and things <laughs> like that? Like a COVID safe party? I was at home. I was reading a book. I was by myself. I I didn't need to do that to sort of get by, you know, but you uh you're a social butterfly, so.
0: Yeah, my friends in San Francisco turned an uh, old meter maid into what they called the Golden Ticket. And That's awesome. Yeah. Put a DJ on the back. Speakers on it. Just very create cool. a party in Golden Gate Park. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. cool. So what brought you to Mexico?
1: So I was living in Guatemala uh-huh. um, for professional reasons. I'm a reporter. I don't know if we covered that or not. Um,
0: right. What kind of reporter?
1: So so for a while I was freelance and I, I started working for this organization that investigates organized crime and corruption, oh, security issues, that kind of thing. Um, I actually just recently left that organization, but um, so yeah, for like the last two years, um, a lot of it's drug trafficking or smuggling, human trafficking, money laundering—you know, the whole deal. Illegal logging, the, you know, organized crime is a pretty big umbrella, so we kind of cover covered everything. Um, but Guatemala is a great place to be for that because, because of the flow of migration, there's—I mean, I don't know if you know much about Guatemala, but just. It's really a very corrupt don't. place um, mm-hmm. in terms of the government. There's a lot of interesting environmental issues. And then there's also like the gang problem in the Northern Triangle in, ge- in general. Um, but it's not a very sustainable place to live. So I, I b- before that, I, I, I lived and worked in Chile for a year. I lived in Argentina for a couple of years. Um, and, and the quality of life there is a little bit higher. And I, I went to Guatemala because... Well, Trump, migration. I also kind of wanted to have a deeper knowledge of the whole region as a reporter. So I didn't have to just be Southern Cone. Right. Uh, but it, but Guatemala City is not like Mexico City, if that makes sense. I, I mean – What's um, it like? It's – so I just want to preface by saying that the country as a whole is very beautiful. People are very nice. Mm. Um, but the city is not a place that I would recommend that you live for the long term. It, it doesn't really make sense. Um, it's It's mm-hmm. – very poorly designed. So everything is for driving, but there are no roads to drive on. Every, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to explain, but <laughs> there's, there's a lot of bottlenecking, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Um, you always feel like you're going to be robbed, like people get robbed in broad daylight. So even in a nice area, like zone 10 is the nice area. They don't have names for their neighborhoods. It's just numbered. So in zone 10, you take out your phone during the day, and I still kind of look around to make sure it's okay. And at night, you Uber door to door. So that's not really like a great, Way to live your life, you know. Um, I mean, there are pockets that are nice, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But I just got to the point where, you know, I'm 28 now um, and I'm kind of thinking, all right, I'm going to be 30 soon. I want to set up – if I want to keep living abroad, I want to set up a life that's sustainable. I don't want to keep moving because I have a lot of great friends in Guatemala. I still do. Actually, they're going to come visit soon, I think. Um, Cool. But – you know, you can't live there. You can't okay. live there and like raise a family there and that kind of thing or buy property there wouldn't, wouldn't be very smart in my opinion. So um, I actually asked my job for a transfer. I, I kind of leveraged the fact that I went home during the pandemic a little bit to say I don't have to go back to Guatemala. I could just mm-hmm. go to Mexico. Mm-hmm. So many reporters cover Central America from Mexico because there's a lot of flights. Um, I mean, it's just a big hub Right. And it's just safer. Like, editors understand why you would be in Mexico. And, and, um, right. You know. I
0: mean, I, it sounds like the quality of life here is just significantly higher.
1: I mean, it's almost like Europe here in, in some yeah. ways. I mean, depending where you live. Um, and there's just a lot more to do. There's like three or four bars in Guatemala City that I would go <laughs> to. Um, there's more speakeasers here. Yeah.
0: Than bars there, it sounds like.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, uh, a completely opposite type of place. Right. Um, man, I'm really ripping on it though. I feel bad because I do <laughs> well, know a lot of cool people. How there.
0: have you found that Mexico City has compared in your, what, six months here?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's very clean. I feel very safe. Actually, this is an interesting experience that I had. I, I didn't realize I was so accustomed to the insecurity of Guatemala City. So when I came mm-hmm. here, I was in an Airbnb for like two weeks. And I had to get something, I don't know, like water or something at night. And I was like, okay, going out at night, I'm going to like put my phone in that secret, you know, I'm going to slip it into my waistband or I'm going to whatever. I'm going to go out. I'm going to get, I'm going to come back. And I walked out and there was like a grandma walking her dog and like some kids playing music on their phone. And the fact that their phone was just out and it was okay. I was like, oh, okay. This is like another type of place. You know, like I can just be a person here. I can walk home and not really worry. Um, So... That really weighs on your mind. Right. The fact that that doesn't exist in Mexico City is is a game changer. And I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast are probably coming from the U.S. and they're they're not going to have that moment. But they might have that concern of like, is Mexico City safe? I know a lot of mm-hmm. gringos in, in the U.S. were like, Mexico City. And it's like, dude, you clearly don't know anything about Mexico City. It's <laughs> unbelievably safe, you know. Right. Um,
0: what neighborhood were you in?
1: I was in Napolis when I started okay. in that in that Airbnb and now I live in Narvarte.
0: Oh wow. Which so, um Which is outside of like the the foreign or capital of Condesa or Roma north It's very residential. Right.
1: Um but you're right, there there are not as many not as many gringos there. Uh, I actually prefer that. Um I mean if you live in Polanco or Roma or Condesa, it's it's not that unusual to hear English or French in my opinion. Right. Um, but Navarte is nice because it—I mean, there's a reason I'm living abroad, right? Mm-hmm. It's because I—I I want to be around a, a sort of local populace, and Navarte is nice because I can walk to Roma right. if I want. There's a lot of transport, public transportation near where where I live. Do you use I, a lot of
0: public transportation? I, do. The, I bus, do. the metro.
1: Are you surprised by that? Yeah, a you're little, little surprised, bit. Right?
0: A little bit because not a lot of foreigners do use it
1: yeah I've had that conversation with with some people that kind of offended me or off put me a little bit um what like do you mean? like oh bro you're you're you want your wallet stolen, what are you doing? um I also had a conversation with a diplomat recently who who was who said that it is against the rules for them to take public transportation they cannot take the metro they cannot oh. take metro bus or any of that stuff um but to be fair, their rules are probably you know hypersensitive right i find that the metro being on the the metro here feels exactly the same as being on the metro in new york like you might see a homeless dude doing something weird Mm -hmm. or whatever but i'm not ever feeling like i should not be here i need to get off this train something will happen to me it's a subway right you know
0: i've taken the metro a number of times you know, I was really surprised by how clean it is. Yeah. It's incredibly clean. There's art. Uh, yeah, there's you art know? everywhere. There's a whole section for women and children.
1: Yeah. Well, that that's problematic. That's like good well, and bad. But it's...
0: Sure. But the fact that that exists uh, is kind of a nice safety feature, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: the if pink you're, seats in the back. If,
0: if, as a woman, you feel a little nervous about going on the metro, you just take the women's
1: section. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's also a great way to know the city because I Ubered everywhere the first month and a half. Mm-hmm. And it occurred to me that I just did not understand how things connected. Yeah. Like I'd always go to Park in Mexico. But, if you asked me to walk to park in Mexico or where it really was, I don't know, the Uber takes me there. so yeah. the the subway it's an Uber away exactly. Everything's <laughs> just sort of put my head in my phone and look up fifteen minutes later and I'm at that place now. that's that's not really a, a good way of knowing the city. So I would say Metro, Metro Bus, and EchoBC, which I have not done yet, but that seems to be the ideal way of really getting to know a place
0: that was my next question was. Are you biking around, either using Echo BC or um, Desba? I think there's a Desba. I don't cards. know what that is. Yeah, so it's another one. It's not city sponsored. Instead, it's um, I think it's actually sponsored by Mastercard. All uh, right. But their Somebody bikes ever. are just all over the place, and it's like one peso a minute. I think. So, yeah, I mean
1: that's good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I want to do that in my mind. I'm doing that, but I'm just too lazy to. If I have to go somewhere, I don't want to show up sweaty, to be honest. Like, I could have biked here and I would have been like, hey, all right, let's do it. Like, I don't want that either. So give and yeah. take. Yeah. Depends what you're doing. I would recommend it in general, though. Yeah.
0: I would recommend it. I've got um annual subscription. It cost me like $25 or something like that. Nice. And I'm really fortunate that I have the Echo BC docks right in front of my apartment. So when I'm going around Condesa – Half the time, it's like a five-minute Uber or a five-minute bike ride. I'd as well take a bike.
1: Have you ever encountered a situation where you're like, damn, there's no place to park this bike? There's always a station?
0: There's usually a station. Okay. Yeah. Well,
1: that's good. Yeah. That would be my big concern.
0: The only thing is once you get out of, like – kind of the main areas if you get into beneath the juarez where my grandfather has an apartment i've ridden a bike out there and there are no stations out there
1: so what do you do you just hold on to it until
0: yeah and be quick but there's also desba which is very similar except there's not
1: docks okay just drop it off are they sponsoring the show they're not Desba. They <laughs> hey Desba! Brought to out. you by. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, maybe next time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What have you found most surprising
1: about Mexico City? I mean, I guess there's a bunch of little things. It's not like I was. I I, I kind of already talked about the mm-hmm. it being so safe mm-hmm. um, and developed, and I guess culturally, I'm surprised by how great it is. What I don't do know. People mean, tell you, "Oh, there's so much to do," but they kind of they say that about Cleveland. You know, I mean, I, I don't <laughs> know how much to believe it. Um, so just to kind of walk around and be like, "What this street also is cool," and then go to the, and this one also has a cool set of restaurants. You know, it's yeah. You can be in a city for uh, like a week or two and and get a sense of like, oh, if I lived here, this is where I would go out. Wow. This is the cool area to go. Um or it's usually like, oh, we don't want to go here or do we want to go here? Like option A or B. Yeah. But in Mexico City, it's downtown or
0: this other area.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Here it's like there's like 50 different places you could go that are all cool. And I mean you could probably keep pushing deeper and deeper into the local culture and find more (laughs) and more interesting places to go. Yeah. Like I have a little taco place that I go to with my friend every Friday. And it's, like, our taco place, and it's great. It's cheap. It's great. Like like a legitimate culinary experience. Yeah. But it's also not particularly special. It's just another taco place that we happen to like. Yeah. There's probably, like, 12 others just like it <laughs> or more. I don't know, 15, 20.
0: And this um, is one by your apartment. Yeah, in it's
1: a Navarte, which is not a place or, that Arte. I think yeah. people would necessarily go. But it's, it's like, a, a good place taco experience so to speak
0: that's one thing that i really love about mexico city is the amount of amazing food here yeah
1: well i think people just go right to the tacos right or to the my brother is a a chef or more more so a baker in new york Mm -hmm. um and so he runs a kitchen and he's always frankly giving me shit about my cooking but uh (laughs) you know i keep telling him like mexico city has all this great stuff i don't think he understands that it's kind of like new york you know you're gonna get top of the line yeah stuff you're gonna get experimental stuff yeah like you could like the best vietnamese food and the best korean food i've ever had were are both here in this city you know so
0: wait the best vietnamese food
1: i think it was vietnamese yeah <laughs> i'm <laughs> pretty sure yeah yeah it was vietnamese yeah i
0: mean was the korean food in zona rosa
1: i haven't been to zona rosa still Oh. I don't think. Where, what is
0: that? Zona Rosa is like Koreatown and the whole gay area. Right. So it's in Juarez. Um, maybe about oh. 10 minutes from here. We're in Condesa right now.
1: Maybe I have been
0: there then. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was popping off for pride. Really? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, people were posting videos and pictures of like people dancing on top of cars, like in the streets, waving flags. That's cool. It was just next level. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Well, that's another bonus I would say is that it's a very progressive city. I don't know. It wasn't a surprise to me, but um, people might find it surprising that, that... right because I mean Mexico
0: is conservative,
1: very Catholic. Yeah. If you go out into the Campo, you're going to find people who have very uh, antiquated thinking, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Mexico City, I don't know. I mean, in any given day, how many gay couples do I see walking down the street holding hands? Yeah. You know, it's like a very common thing to see. I don't think I've ever encountered more trans people in really? my life. I see trans people all the time in Navarte, in Roma, all over the place, um, which is cool because – I mean, I, I, I'm not transphobic or homophobic in any way. Yeah. Um, but I also don't see a lot of trans people. It's about representation a little bit, right? Like if you don't yeah. see them in movies, yeah, it's like they're not there. So to be able to sort of just see trans people and just be like, oh, it's just another person walking down the street. It normalizes. Yeah. Them. It's totally uh. fine, you know. Um, yeah, that's really cool. So that's, that's cool. That did not occur to me until I just said it, but it's totally true. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's awesome. Well, what's been your favorite thing about Mexico City so far?
1: So, I have a cool story about going to Tapito and interviewing those guys. I don't know if you want to talk about that. Ooh, Tapito. Um, I have a boring answer about literature, too, I can do, which is just. Well, give me both. I mean, I guess this goes back to the cultural stuff, but it's a very literary city, there's a ton of bookstores. Um, there are a lot of cafes where famous writers have written and so you feel kind of really in touch with that. And I'm a writer, a a creative writer. Journalism is sort of my day job and it it bolsters the the creative activities that I do in the evening. Um, and so, well, again, in Guatemala City, sorry to keep repeating Guatemala City, but (laughs) if you're not surrounded by a place that cares about those things, it's a Mm -hmm. lot harder to be creative. Um, here i mean there's so many cafes there's so many it's almost like the city wants you to be creative you know yeah. and there's I, I don't know how many museums how many galleries
0: so before covid i know the number was right around 150 museums mexico That's city wild. yeah mexico city has the most museums out of any city in the world
1: i thought it was london either way
0: Um, I think they were usually neck and neck. It was like London, Paris, and Mexico City.
1: I haven't been to many, partly because a lot of them have been closed. Right. Now they're opening. Um, But they're also good museums. Hopefully, a lot of them
0: survive. Yeah. Because there's a lot of like micro museums that, you know, specialize in like very random small things Mm -hmm. like, like, um, Ancient Toys. What? <laughs> yeah. Where's that? Uh, we can look it up on Google. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, there's there's all sorts of cool museums. I went to this torture museum in Centro. Uh, yeah. They don't let you take in pictures. It's great and horrifying. Question, though,
1: is it sort of <laughs> sensationalistic? Look at all this crazy stuff, or is it more like, here's the history of torture in Mexico? Here's Either one is a, fine. Today.
0: This one's like, here's a history of torture devices throughout history. Okay. All right. Like around the world. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, but lots of museums, lots of art museums. Uh, the Sumaya is incredible. Tamayo is awesome. What's your favorite? Mm, probably Sumaya.
1: I haven't been to that one. What's
0: Oh God! the I, art? Yes, it's art from around the world. The top floor is probably my favorite. It's the most impressive. Just this huge collection of marble statues from around the world. Uh, Carlos Slim, who is, I believe, the richest man in Mexico, owns the museum. And I'm pretty sure it's like his private collection. It's also just a beautiful, beautiful building. It's like covered in these, like, metal scales, and it's got this really cool shape. It's almost like a... Um,
1: what shape would you... I can't... It's sort of like an hourglass, but not quite.
0: Kind of, yeah.
1: You know? Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty cool to look at. Yeah. I've walked by it a lot of times. I think one thing that is sort of preventing me from going to museums, and I don't know if you feel this way, is that uh, when I go to a museum and I don't know anything about the art beforehand, I don't get a lot out of it, you know? So... You know, there are some periods of art that I've studied or know a little bit more about. So if I go like European art, I can go and appreciate it and understand it, and stand for a while. I don't know that much about Mexican art. so (laughs) And I understand that Sumaya is international, so I don't really have an excuse. But my mindset has sort of been like, I got to study up before I go. Otherwise, I'm just going to be reading plaques in a semi-lit room all afternoon.
0: I mean, maybe, but my take on museums is... I want to spark my interest, if I don't know anything about this art, I'm probably not going to get super interested just by, you know, reading some articles on it. Um, Going and like see it in person um, can be really a a cool way to decide what you want to, you know, research more, what you want to,
1: what piques your interest. That is a super good debunking of what I said because <laughs> I feel like it requires two trips. Like first you go and you're like, I don't know any of this, but I like that one. Yeah. Who is it? I'll write it in my phone and then I'll read about it and I'll come yeah. back. Yeah. But that's the thing is museums are sort of a – that's that's also what I like is living in a place that has good museums mm-hmm. because as a local, your relationship to the museum should not be I'm going to take my aunt here when I visit – when she visits over Thanksgiving or whatever it is. Yeah. Like you – You go a lot of times, and you look at the art, and your relationship to it and understanding of it changes over time. Yeah. So, solid point.
0: Yeah. (laughs) One thing I like about the Humex Museum, which is like a modern art museum, and quite frankly, I think a lot of the art is kind of bullshit. (laughs) Is it contemporary? (laughs) I think so. I don't know the difference between contemporary and modern art, but it'll just be like a dustpan with 10 pennies on the floor.
1: Mm. Sounds like postmodern.
0: That's art. You know, that's in an art museum. But. It's got a plaque. And it just (laughs) makes me think like, wow, I should really make a lot more art because if that's (laughs) art, I can do better than that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but doesn't that spark your interest in why that is considered important? You could go read yeah. about it and be like, oh, actually, it's pretty cool. Or you're like, no, this is dumb. <laughs> the thing is, art is not yeah. how hard was it to make. It was super hard to make. Therefore, it's good. The, the problem with contemporary art is that it's not really uh, – doesn't elicit an emotional response. It's all intellectual and sort of – like inter- it's kind of just responding to its own medium. You know, every like contemporary art is almost always just about art. You know, it's not it's not representational. It's it's not a portrait. So it's saying this is art and that's the point. That's super simplistic. Someone on this, someone, someone listening to this is going to be like, you guys are both idiots. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Absolutely. But I mean, I just don't get some of it. It's like, how is like a black square put on a wall art? I think there is some art that. I may like or may not like, but I can respect the artistic ability that went into making it. Yeah. I find I just find it a lot harder to respect art that just feels lazy. Maybe it's up to me to learn the story of why yeah. that's
1: interesting, but that's the same know. that's the same reaction that like Manet got. Mm. you know or that i don't know impressionist scott this is too like they were laughing at it in the louvre right it's too Mm. this looks like a child made it Mm -hmm. and so it you know that reaction keeps happening in the contemporary context yeah so i mean like 30 years you'll be like actually that thing is cool
0: so that's some of your favorite things about mexico city what do you hate about mexico city but like, what's the worst thing if you don't hate something specifically?
1: Yeah. I don't have a lot of hatred. But, um, <laughs> again, I think it's the little things. Uh, so I don't think it's coming across the audio. But there's, like, a thunderstorm going on outside. And I, I've i been told that it's pretty normal that yeah. it rains that much. And I've been caught in the rain, like, pretty frequently. And oh, I've also been and like, really oh, hot damn hot it. I left my laundry hanging on the roof and now I got to wait again <laughs> or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I like walking through the rain. It's romantic, et cetera. But it's a little excessive. <laughs> it rains a lot in Buenos Aires. <laughs> and I lived in Buenos Aires for two years. And here is worse. It's pretty rainy during yeah. the rainy season. So um, if you don't like I- – I like the fall. It's like a little cozy, you know, mm-hmm. and I like hearing the thunder. But sometimes I'm like, man, why is it still raining? It's a bummer. Um so that's number one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess just because I can hear the thunder, can you hear it? I like jumped. It's just
0: anxiety and provo- provoking.
1: Yeah. It's ugh, like I used heart, to be so like... terrified of storms when I was a kid, like breakdown in tears because oh. I was caught in a tornado when I was like in I don't know second grade or something. And the sky turned green and all that. Oh Jesus, Michigan, Michigan problems. But uh... <laughs> no, it's also that's weird I've as I've that the never thund-
0: dealt with in California.
1: <laughs> You've never had one.
0: No, you guys I have mean, all it, the other stuff, it would sprinkle, and people would freak out and be like, We can't drive,
1: yeah. Two hours. Same flight. with snow. If you guys ever backups. get snow, it's like close the schools, oh, right?
0: It, it doesn't snow.
1: I don't think maybe I'm thinking of like Texas, someplace like that. Yeah,
0: I think maybe it's snowed like once in the last 50 years or something. Some
1: okay, freak. Storm. Well, in any case. No, I was yeah. going to say like the the, <laughs> the interesting thing about the rain here is that the thunder often does not match the intensity of the rain. Like it can rain really hard, yeah. but sometimes it's like just a nice drizzle and it's just booming. Mm-hmm. It's like pick one, you know, because <laughs> when you hear the thunder, you're like, all right, here it comes. That's my mind. Like it's going to be a storm oh, totally. with wind and it's not. It's like a drizzle. So it's weird. Um, and well, then
0: sometimes the rain just out of nowhere turns to hail. And there's yeah. just like hail on my rooftop. And I'm like, what,
1: what yeah. is this? <laughs> that's, I, I think that's pretty cool. I don't know. I mean, it sucks. It sucks. Like logistically.
0: What I've just found interesting. to be surprising is it can be hailing. And then sometimes like 30 minutes later, the sun's out. Yeah. It's like the weather here is crazy. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think it's just this season. Like there's a there's a chunk of the year where it's mm-hmm. extra rainy and then it's good again. It's not like a year round issue.
0: Yeah.
1: It's I don't know what months it is like.
0: I don't know what like June. Of, yeah. Like August or something.
1: Maybe. I've kind of lost track of time. It's a, a <laughs> decent chunk of the middle yeah. of the year, I would say, where it's pretty rainy slash Haley.
0: Well, I guess we'll find out soon enough. Right. Yeah.
1: I do like that. it's And that's another surprising thing that I think people should know. Is that it's not super hot. Yeah. I mean, I guess I've only been here for six months. I'm not an expert on this. It could get really bad. But so far, I don't know, you can go out in a light jacket. I'm wearing Mm -hmm. jeans right now and a and a t shirt and I'm comfy. Yeah. And I kind of prefer that. Like at night it can drop to as low as like I would say low fifties. Yeah. And then during the day, like seventies.
0: What did you say? I don't
1: think it's been like in the nineties or something.
0: No, I think the hottest days I've experienced were maybe, like, mid-80s. Yeah. And that was... It's because we're... Quote-unquote, hot.
1: That's a Mexico City-specific climate. Like, that's not the case elsewhere.
0: I will say that in November when I got here, it was freezing. I had, like, two heaters in my room. Really? Double blankets. But I also get cold
1: easily, so... Double heater cold? That's pretty cold.
0: I mean, I still <laughs> sleep with a heater every night. Oh,
1: really? <laughs> yeah, Is I, that like your apartment being all glass? kind of an issue, or
0: no? It's a me being a weather pansy. Issue. Okay.
1: <laughs> I like the cold. Maybe it's a Michigan thing, but um, what do you
0: feel about the sounds?
1: Oh, like the noise of the city.
0: Yeah, and like all the calls. Like.
1: Oh, like the the. Fierro Viejo and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Yeah, the
0: gas guy it, the, that
1: sounds the kind of thing. funny to me. I don't know. You're kind of you're gonna get that anywhere you live in Latin America. I think is like the market sounds yeah. or the that kind of thing. I, maybe it's a little heavier in Mexico City. Um, I I like it. I I like to be. Engaged with the city, otherwise, I would live in the countryside where it's dead silent. I, I like to feel the city a little bit like that, yeah. But it's also nice that I live on a decently quiet street because it can get old. I have lived on like a main boulevard before, and it is not really worth it, you know, it's too crazy. So, um, I don't, I don't find that it's and maybe it's the construction of my apartment, but I don't have a problem with like sounds, you know, keeping me awake or getting in my way. I know people complain of like, oh, I was on the phone and. The Fiero Viejo person came by and it was – I had to explain or whatever. It, it, Mexicans do – not to generalize, but Mexicans do like play music loudly late at night. I actually texted my <laughs> landlord like, is there any chance you could tell the neighbors to turn this music down? And he was like, it's Mexico. I don't have to – they're not going to – you learn to live with it though. Yeah. yeah like it, it becomes background noise very quickly.
0: Yeah. And I feel like I don't experience that in Condesa. Maybe because it's so many foreigners.
1: And it's also a, a different, I'm trying not to sound, I don't know how to say this. It's a different type of people, mm. if that makes yeah. sense. Um,
0: the yeah, people I mean, living in Condesa probably aren't, so- aren't going
1: to be bumping music on a Tuesday night. Like, yeah. Banda, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, to be frank. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so the other yeah, thing, to right. shift gears, the other thing that I kind of am bummed about, And I knew this a little bit going in is that property prices, man. I mean, I told you, I I came here thinking, all right, I I can live here for the long term. Like Mm -hmm. I want to live and work here. And if it gets to the point where I have a serious girlfriend or like a fiance, I'll buy property here. Like totally. But it is crazy expensive. Um, Yeah. Your apartment
0: apartment is is well-located.
1: Yes. And it's very in, nice.
0: It's it's very nice. It's three stories. It's but for the in, price
1: of that apartment, you could buy like a six-bedroom house in the Midwest. It's not even I, worth it.
0: Yeah. I mean you can buy a six-bedroom be- six house in the state of Mexico, 20 minutes right. away from here.
1: But you got to – the thing is you kind of got to pick and choose. I guess I'm not very clear on are there other places worth living in the long term? You know, I don't know if I would live in Narvarte with a family.
0: Other cities or other neighborhoods?
1: I have to personally do more uh, research about if there are places further away Mm -hmm. from this bubble that we live in that are worth living in, if that makes sense. Right. Um, Because I feel like I'm low-key bashing Condesa or whatever. It's (laughs) very nice. I love it. I come here all the time. I just don't live here so that I don't have to only live in the bubble. Right. But if I'm going to buy property, I might as well buy it in the bubble, right? And it's too expensive; it's unreal expensive. Well, so,
0: not really. I don't know that. I don't know that if you were going to live here long term, you would need to live in Condessa.
1: I guess that's my point. Is I I have to do more research about if there are other places that are worth living. I just went to L- Las Lomas, I think it's called, up in Santa Fe oh, for the yeah. first time. Really nice,
0: super nice out there.
1: Less interesting. I mean, it's not like as much to do it's mm-hmm. it's more suburban yeah um but you know it, it is an option and and my friend he told me that there's uh some some places
0: near yeah Coyacan, santa, fe, santa fe is another big one
1: it's far it's a little far maybe about 20 minutes but it's also a little uh no it's more than 20 really yeah i i just did it and it was like 35 minutes hmm. um but i guess that's not terrible could be worse
0: yeah. Um, I mean, you would have to drive.
1: Yeah. But it's a place you need a car here? for sure because the subways yeah. and stuff don't go out that far. Yeah. You have to take like a bus to get to the bus yeah, that yeah. connects to the city. So, But, again, it's more like two kids and a wife situation. Right. That kind of thing. Um, but, no, apparently in Coyacan and a little further south, there are some nice neighborhoods. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just depends how bougie you want your life to be, I think. Um,
0: (laughs) Yeah. Do you want to live in Europe, basically? Yeah. Which is like Condesa and Roma Mm -hmm. and Polanco. Right. Or do you want to live in areas that feel more like Mexico? Yeah, Yeah, I I think think because
1: I live on my own, I'm just a single guy in his late 20s. I'm willing to sort of live in places and go to places that I probably wouldn't live with a family. If that makes sense. So I, I, right. I'm sort of trying to have my cake and eat it too, you know?
0: Well, maybe um, you just need to hang out with more Mexican families. <laughs> also bad. See where – I mean see where they would recommend, you know? Yep. Um, like find people who have kids or, you know, have lived here for a long time and find out where they would live. Um, because yeah. for the most part, they're not going to Condesa – Aroma. For
1: the- some, but not really, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, um, maybe some of the foreign. I got to get a
1: girlfriend first, though. So we'll do that <laughs> and then we'll deal with that, the housing. I just, I tend to think very far ahead. Yeah. I mean, I almost moved to Colombia instead. I was considering Panama um, as a journalist. Those are sort of, well, not Panama, but Colombia is another big hub. Uh huh. But, and it's much cheaper there, actually. Um, But I chose Mexico like- more for.
0: Cost of living. Cost of
1: living is cheaper, there, yeah, for sure. I mean, I the the rent here is not. It is cheaper compared mm-hmm. to the U.S., but in a Latin American context, it is not especially cheap. Right. And that goes doubly so for actually purchasing property. I would say in Mexico City, you can you can probably purchase property elsewhere. Actually, I I, I have a a friend who's who's buying a house in Mérida and he uh, he was like yeah man the prices are nothing compared to like your your small apartment or whatever would get yeah. you you know a big house in media
0: so right. well mexico city is kind of like the new york of all of latin america right so it's going to be one of the most expensive areas
1: right, right?
0: i think kind of just by its nature you're going to you can find really expensive areas in Mexico City in ways like you're not going to find in small towns and you know yeah. other places.
1: That's another option is people move out to some of these magical towns or nearby mm-hmm. cities like Carretero or Puebla. Yeah. Um, San
0: Miguel de Allende mm-hmm. is a big one. But I hear that's getting um, pretty expensive now.
1: Really? Mm-hmm. Time to go. Yeah. Beat the wave?
0: <laughs> well, a lot of people go there um, to retire.
1: Like Mexicans? No, Americans. Okay. I just feel so disconnected. I, I kind of like to keep this tether to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And if I'm in the capital where I can get a direct flight to Detroit, right. I feel good. But if I have to connect or, or or drive through some obscure place and then get to Mexico City, then you're really making a type of decision to live Right. You know, the Mexican life.
0: Yeah, that's Which is true. a
1: possibility. It's just, you know, I'm wavering.
0: Yeah, I mean, Mexico City is so accessible. Yeah. I think that's one of the things I like the most about it. It's like you can live your American life, basically, here. I mean, you can work in an American company from either coast and your, what, max two hours time difference. Uh, so either – Work a little earlier, work a little later, but you're not in Asia where it's like 10 hour difference. Um, it's cheap and you can fly here or you can fly back for a weekend. Right. It's so
1: easy. Yep. Yeah. The not having to connect through Atlanta for me is a big, <laughs> it Was that was a big factor. Yeah. I can fly home to Detroit in five hours, less than five hours, see my family if I need to from Bogotá or Medellín, which would be even worse. Mm-hmm. It's like a double connect. Flying from Santiago, Buenos Aires, it's like the 11 hours, then you get to Atlanta, then you, it's a lot. Mexico is just very convenient. Yeah. So,
0: it's part of it. Do you have a favorite memory here? What's the craziest thing you've done in Mexico City? I
1: can tell my Tapito story. Is that, Ooh. you want me to tell my Tapito yeah. story?
0: So, first explain what is, so Tepito is. So Tepito is a
1: now. is a neighborhood in Mexico City that is I think it's like northeast of Centro, like the historic center. And it is kind of notoriously the the most dangerous mm-hmm. neighborhood. It's also the home base of Unión Tepito, which is the the gang. It's not really a cartel, it's more of a gang that controls Mexico City. Um Tepito is a place that I think a lot of people go for dark tourism. Um,
0: dark tourism
1: dark tourism is like purposely going somewhere dangerous or risky to Mm. to see what it's like which I find slightly problematic because that's somebody's neighborhood man and you're going there like like there's all these shitty YouTube videos of people (laughs) being like I'm into Pito and they're all like I don't know Um, it seems like a stupid flex that doesn't actually engage with the culture or the people but um, I went there for work to interview Unión. And it was kind of a bonkers experience because I mean you can go there and you can see they, the, the big thing about Tepito is that it has like a very large market, uh-huh. um, and it's just full like of contraband. A yeah, it's a street market. It's covered. It's it's everything there is contraband from like China and elsewhere. Um, you can get like medicine. You can get weird food. You can get a haircut. You can get. I mean, it, it's it's not that different from a lot of rougher markets in Latin America. Okay. I think it was just interesting for me because I had spoken to Union about how they obtained their goods, if that makes sense. So, like uh,
0: what kind of goods?
1: I mean they uh, – clothes, shoes, jewelry, okay. medicine. Um, I mean they told me um, they were trying to figure out how to leverage the, the pandemic um, and, and it, it wasn't really worth that? it for them to rob vaccine transport trucks because they're very well protected but it it did interest them sort of like um preying on preying on people who are worried about their health selling them a lot of bullshit medicine or false vaccines which i'm not saying union does that but they had they had considered it they had talked about it um no but so they
0: why would they do something like that like what would be an if for that
1: the money, everything for them oh, is like just selling. Yeah, yeah, fake vaccine. Everything they do is is financially motivated. Yeah. Um, so they don't uh, they deal drugs. They don't traffic drugs. Um, What's difference, the difference being, so trafficking would be more like the international movement or transnational movement mm-hmm. of drugs. So they're not like the Jalisco cartel or something like that, or, or I don't know, the Northeast cartel moving cocaine or fentanyl into the U S there are, they're mostly a Mexico city based organization and they do extortion. So they, you know, go restaurant to restaurant, bar to bar and any establishment that makes money, it could be a gym, it could be a club. It doesn't really matter. And they say like, so listen, the situation is, we'll protect you for this amount of money. And uh, and then you will be protected. And if you don't, well, listen, we're union. So we're going to, you know, if you say no, they like, you know, they kidnap your mom or whatever. Oh, um, so they told me some of those stories. It's interesting. And and one of the things yeah. that they told me that I thought was like, you don't think about it. But the pandemic had affected their business as well. Because if, if businesses are closing, then they don't have as many people to extort. Oh, yeah. So they were losing money as well. Um, You know, they talked a little bit about uh, – engaging with the Jalisco cartel, which is like the large cartel in Mexico right now, and it's Mm -hmm. expanding the most rapidly and the most aggressively, and it's giving the government the biggest problems. They're relying on them a little bit for obtaining arms and things like that. The fact that 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 relationship exists, I don't know how mutually beneficial it is, but it's frightening if Jalisco arrives in Mexico City. I don't think there's a concern. I don't want to scare listeners. that I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, there's a lot of interesting, like, moving parts – it talks about, there's a, I don't know if you know, like, uh, I think it's called anti-union or fuerza anti-union. So it's basically the, it's like know. a, how <laughs> do I explain it? It's like, um, union is a gang. Okay. And this happens a lot in Mexico. There's like a gang or a cartel and they terrorize an area. And then the citizens are like, this sucks. Let's band together and take back our community. But to do that, you have to take control over those criminal activities. And then they end up becoming their own criminal group. So, there's just sort of like this spiral of people being like, we're going to defend our community, but really we're going to slowly descend into evil as well. So, there's like an anti union that for years has sort of combated union, though, And there's a bunch of other like little gangs in Mexico City, but union is the big one. And I mean, they, they extort in Polanco, they extort in Condesa, they extort in Centro Histórico, really? they're everywhere, which is f- interesting because yeah. it's not like you feel their criminal presence as you walk down the street. But that doesn't yeah, mean that they don't stop over here and collect their fee, you know.
0: Yeah, you so. really don't. I feel like walking around Condesa, um, the only people who seem who feel like they're going to extort you are police.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that is that's important for listeners to know is that I don't really think, and I guess it's not impossible, but the chances of you being robbed by like a delinquent on the street is not very high. Yeah. But you will probably at some point, living here in the long term, be hustled by a cop. Yeah. Um, like uh, like Jalisco, big cartels and all that stuff has nothing to do with your life in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. They don't give a shit about you. And neither does Union. I mean, they just want to collect their fees and right. do their thing. They don't yeah. really care about the general populace, if that makes yeah. sense. So.
0: I imagine if foreigners have any contact with them, it's pretty much just because they're uh, buying drugs at a club in the bathroom. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> And even that's then, it's more the like, well, they, what they do is they, well, they take they take women from other countries and traffic them here, or they take advantage of poor women here, and they say they go to the club and they say and part of the extortion agreement is that you let these prostitutes sell drugs in our clubs, and you turn oh. the you turn the other way, and that's just how it is. Um, so, so your engagement with them is through a victim of them.
0: Whoa, interesting.
1: That's the MO of them. I mean, I'm sure there's uh-huh. other people selling drugs in other capacities, but yeah. you're never going to talk to the plaza boss uh, or uh, no, anyone no. like that. Like, that's not a thing. You don't have to worry about – that's the nice thing about Mexico City is you're not
0: conf- – I mean, I've been here eight months and I guess I kind of know n- close to nothing of <laughs> right. about that because it's really not part of normal life here.
1: Right. It's It's fun to nerd out about it. Yeah, you know, and talk about the different groups and where they're going and what they're involved in, but like, it's it has not like you said it has nothing to do with life here. It's yeah. just interesting. Yeah, I don't know. You, did you see this video? It was uh, must have been like a month and a half ago. A video was sent to me of cartel Jalisco, and they were handing out blenders on when when is Mother's Day in Mexico? Is it the same as the U.S.? Yeah, Whenever that uh, was, a couple a months ago, a day
0: before or day after.
1: In any case, they were handing out blenders, like brand new blenders out of the back of a truck to mothers in this town. And it said, like, Happy Mother's Day from the Jalisco cartel.
0: Why would they do that?
1: Because they want the local support. They want, you know, it's not just, (laughs) hey, we're going to kill everybody. It's also like we want you to accept us as a governing force. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) Government's not handing out blenders, are they? so no. who do you you want to the cop who's gonna uh, extort yeah. you you're gonna go with the other guy so yeah i mean they're they're very business savvy you know <laughs> yeah yeah i probably shouldn't have talked about all this and i'm like i live in narvarte near this metro station <laughs> 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 no nah, you don't know what metro station i live in yeah. pretty safe or i'll move right after this comes out yeah feel safer well thanks for having me this was a blast yeah.
0: thanks for coming on and being yeah. my first yeah. interview what an honor <laughs> yeah for real is there anything else you want to mention
1: i don't know oh i'm wearing this jersey i, I went to a what diablo's you- rojos baseball game i don't know how many people like baseball from our group chat not very many but <laughs> it's a nice fun time and if you like the mlb it's different but interesting and cool so i would say go to a go to a baseball game a mexican league game that's what i'll say
0: and that's a wrap. Thank you again, Max, for coming onto the podcast. And thank you, listener, for listening this long. If you would like to support even more, you can subscribe to the podcast or leave a rating and review. I'd also love if you would share this with your friends, family, anyone who's thinking about coming to Mexico City. And if you have any interest in coming on the show yourself, shoot me a message. Find me on Instagram at cdmx_expats. Also, quick shout out to Hob Project in Condesa. It's a social club and co-working space, and it is absolutely gorgeous. They have a podcasting room where I've been able to record all of these episodes. They have all the equipment. It's amazing. So if you have your own podcast or you just need a co-working space, highly recommend checking them out. All right. That's it for this one. Catch you next week. Toodaloo. Hob Project in also thank you all right well let's sign off